Hey, Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning, Mark. I am very excited. Here we are on January 1, 2021 for a 31-minute conversation. Woo! <laughs> no one, I think, is um, feeling like they're going or feeling nostalgic about 2020. Nope, I don't think so. Good riddance. Good riddance. So new year and um, new opportunities. Um, and uh, you're coming on for uh, your first turn at the mic on 31 Minutes, which I'm excited to have you uh, on with me. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So um, for my listening audience who doesn't know who Elizabeth, uh, a.k.a. E-Love, is. Um, Elizabeth is a commercial real estate agent, and um, she's also a trained opera singer. That's, that's right. Isn't that about right? Yeah, that sums it up. Two and, opposite sides of my personality. <laughs> and extraordinaire of all things that she gets involved in. <laughs> So, so what are you looking forward to for uh, 2021, Elizabeth? That's a good question. Um, I think recently my focus has just been 2020 being over. And okay. now, now that it is officially, and my birthday is New Year's Eve. So, Oh, well, happy <laughs> birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I really get to put a nice little bow on every year. And uh, so 2020, I'm just looking forward to the new opportunities with a new outlook. You know, we've all had kind of a challenging year. There's some good that came from it. But it'll be nice to have that experience behind me, to have it behind us all, and to see how that uh, improves any opportunities that I'm presented with moving forward. I imagine I will have a very positive outlook. Oh, there you go. So I liked the fact that you actually said there were some positive things from 2020 where most people tend to dwell in the negative. Um, what was something positive? Well, I got to spend a lot of time with my family. Okay. More than I anticipated. <laughs> sure. I spent a lot of time with them. I met my neighbors i mean it's i've lived in my house for three years and i've never met a neighbor um so meeting them was awesome some of our best friends now they're 74 and 76 okay. so a blast to well, hang cool. out with mm -hmm. uh, and then some great business opportunities you know it's not necessarily not all the projects are what we thought they would be but there's a lot out there. And so that's a lot of new relationships I got to meet and new people I've got to work with. And I love that. It's the whole reason I do what I do. Oh, okay. Well, see, I like that. I like the, I like the positivity and I like thinking about um, not, not always dwelling the negative and looking for uh, silver linings and, and what have you in every opportunity or obstacle that we encounter. And mm -hmm. You know, we talk about on the show a lot about obstacles and we talk about what makes for a 21st century leader. And I think dealing with some of the obstacles that COVID-19 and 2020 in general brought us 
is uh, uh, are signs of true leaders who found a way to keep things together, found positivity in um, in the moment in crisis, and uh, uh, came out of the year stronger. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Well, so to that point, what did you think were some of the takeaways from twenty twenty, and what you're looking forward to? Well. Uh, let's see. I mean, 2020, I, um, you know, uh, grew, uh, corporate thought amongst other things. And, um, along with others, I don't want to say just myself, but as a team, mm -hmm. we grew it and moved it forward. Uh, what else happened in 2020? Uh, well, took on a, a new business challenge, which is how I occupy, um, the majority of my day these days, but that but did not stop me from uh, continuing to uh, pro to progress corporate thought at the same time. Got to meet a lot of new people because on the uh, other podcast, on the Corporate Thought podcast, I used to only have face-to-face um, -face conversations. And uh, due to COVID, I had to uh, revamp and move those conversations online. And as a result of moving them online, I got to meet a lot of people who wanted to come on the show who I wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to meet. And that's across the globe. I've um, had conversations with people uh, in, you know, in uh, multiple time zones, um, in Israel, in uh, the UK, in Spain, and uh and uh, a growing wider audience. So those are all, I have to say that, you know, for the negative of the year, there was a lot of positive for, um, for things that I get involved with as well. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but uh, what you said about all these zoom meetings, I mean, I can't believe how many people I got to interact with just on, a zoom call and who knew that it could be, it would become as popular as it did. And, and we would all adjust to it as quickly as we did coming from a face-to-face -face environment to now a video chat seems to do the trick too. It's yeah. Incredible. Um, I'm back in an office and um, I don't touch the phone hardly ever. My phone rings maybe once a day. However, my, Teams um, phone or contact ring, rings all the time, so that's the at least for me that's the that's a, a major difference is the, the old fashioned physical phone um, is moving in my life rapidly towards extinction. Wow, so, I'm a little bit jealous. You're a little jealous. So, <laughs> a little jealous. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just the, the, and, and also, I don't know, my cell phones ring a lot more too, but, but honestly, Teams is just taken over in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, to your other point, I think necessity breeds invention is very true. I mean, not that these tech, not that these things weren't out there, but they were sort of out there. They weren't like, yeah. they weren't mainstream for sure. And now they right. are. So all off in the periphery. Yeah. No, it's a good point. And it changes, it changes how uh, people do business uh, significantly. Sure. And, and all of our interactions. I mean, now you get a team call and you see the person on the other line. You know, and there's right. a person attached to that 
voice, it changes the dynamics of the conversation, I think. I spent a lot of time on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I should say, uh, uh, to anyone uh, who's, who's listening, um, although we may start, uh, the idea is also to start putting out some, uh, some video of this, but Elizabeth is, is good enough to be, she's bundled up and talking to me from a freezing cold RV uh, where she's off skiing for the holidays, <laughs> and, uh, but was willing, but said, okay, we're going to do this for the first of the year. And so, um, you know, you're like, you're like the, um, you're like the, the postal delivery person, nor rain, nor sleet, nor uh, snow will stop you. <laughs> That's right. So, but one, That's what um, I learned in 2020. Sorry. Is that, there you go. Nothing can stop you. Persistence. Nothing can stop me. <laughs> I like it. So unfortunately, and I know we're going to talk about this, we lost um, someone who both you and I admired uh, greatly, admire greatly in uh, 2020, and that was uh, Tony Shea. Uh, so we thought it might be a good idea to go and read his book that was from, I think, like 2010 um, or so, which is Delivering Happiness and um, give us something to, um, to dissect a little bit, uh, a little bit in, in memory of, of Tony. So uh, for those of you who don't know who uh, Tony Shea was he was uh, an entrepreneur. He uh, sold his first company uh, very early on and wound up investing in and then um, running Zappos, the shoe company, which he later sold to Amazon. Um, he moved the company's headquarters to Las Vegas uh, he was he was involved in the redevelopment of downtown Las Vegas, um, uh, the uh, off of Fremont Street a bit, um, moving the company into the old um, city hall, the Las Vegas City Hall, uh, redeveloping the um, uh, um, con the building that Container Village, and redeveloping several blocks of what had become kind of run down is that mm -hmm. a fair assessment yeah that part that sums up quite a bit of it <laughs> okay but uh, but on top of all that and i think why both elove and i really were interested in him was his dedication and devotion to the to the customer and to customer experience and that's mm -hmm. um although the first half of the book i think is a little bit of a of a of a biography biography <laughs> The uh, second half of the book is uh, really about um, about customer experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't think about it until just now when you're doing the introduction. But also, what a great way to start this new year, particularly after such a challenging 2020. But start 2021 by delivering happiness. I mean, yeah. No, it's 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 quite yes. fitting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. I like that. It is it is uh, something that is highly needed and highly desired. And so, what a what a way! And not even wait until um, until the second week of uh, of January to start this, but let's 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 get it started on January first and uh, mm -hmm. and turn the corner immediately. Absolutely.
It, it was it was a great read. <laughs> and I got lucky with the snowstorm, sort of. I mean, most skiers wouldn't say that, but I did. So I stayed inside and I read all day. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 um what did you take away a little bit from the book? Like what 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 caught you um significantly in 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 reading Tony's book? One of the biggest takeaways I had was his reference to poker. So it, it kind of makes sense. He moved everything to Las Vegas after he got into playing poker semi-competitively. But he talked about in, in poker, you can, you sit down at a table and if you don't like the dynamics of the table or if you're losing, just get up and change tables. And in business that can apply too. If you don't like the environment, change it. I mean, right. you're the master of your destiny, right? You hold your cards. If you don't like the table, change it and figure out a way to make the environment or the dynamic better suit whatever your end goal is. We have more control than we think. Um, and just thinking outside of the box, right? Don't, you don't have to play every hand of it that's dealt, right? Look at it and see how you can work it to your advantage. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. No, I think that, that, that very much is. I, I like his focus on, on the, on the consumer, on the customer. He understood mm -hmm. the difficulty in selling shoes online and, right. and, and breaking a tradition um, of, you know, uh, something that would be more, that people would really feel the need to try on and how is he, and, and discuss and shoe salespeople who would go back in the storeroom and say, Oh, you like this. Let me bring out five other pair. Right. The mm -hmm. way that shoe stores traditionally were operating. And I, I, I don't go into shoe stores very much. So I have no idea if that's how it still happens in a shoe store, mm -hmm. but he was trying to take that concept that he knew was ingrained in people and yet move them into an online space where they got the same, if not better, um, customer care than they got mm -hmm. in the traditional shoe store, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, how, yeah. How, how, what a challenge. But that also, so I don't know if you know this, I read the other day and, I, and I, it's, it's been sitting with me that back in 19, I think it's in 1980, the, uh, what was then called the Apple Computer Company, better known as Apple, put mm -hmm. out a internal memo taking effect on January 1st, 1981. It's either 1981 or 1982. No, I know it's 1981 because it's the 40th anniversary of it. And um, what it basically said was effective immediately, we will not buy or lease any typewriters. Because think about it, 1981, typewriters were the way that people typed things up. Yeah. And this is still a, a, a company, right? But it's advocating for using word processing, which was not a common thing in 1981. In fact, it basically didn't exist. People mm -hmm. typed on typewriters. And company-wide, we will not use the typewriter effective January 1st, 1981. Before we can sell our customers on 
word processing as a replacement for the typewriter, we need to prove it internally first. So basically Steve Jobs took away the typewriter in 1981 and said, we're going to prove that word processing is better by using it for our own business first before we try to sell a customer. <laughs> I mean, what a better way to prove it works <laughs> yeah. to run your company off of it. But to That's me, really inter- I didn't know that. Yeah. I just found this out the other day and I, and I thought, wow, uh, how many, yes, it, it, it works for these guys who are, who are absolutely, you know, turning over the apple cart and, 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 and are major disruptors like a Steve Jobs, like a Tony Shea. But honestly, how can you apply that in your own business in, you know, in 2021? How can you, in your own life, how can you um, both challenge the status quo, but also prove whatever it is you're doing to your own internal team before you prove it to the customer at large. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then from Tony's point of view, when you do prove it to the customer at large, how do you improve the experience? How do you, how do you do something? I mean, you know, basically that's, I think where Zappos came away with the note with the free shipping, right? So buy all the shoes you mm-hmm. want, buy all the sizes you want. So you can try them on, find the one that fits you and don't worry, you're not paying for, to ship the, the ones you don't want back. Mm-hmm. Took away that fear of online shopping in a very, you know, big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of you know to his point about changing changing tables. You know, he couldn't run a traditional online store, and in order to be competitive, he had to change the landscape he's, that Zappos is operating operating in. And you know, rather than just saying we have a great company culture and we're after happiness, he bred that into their business and into the customer experience. And so it really was they're digesting everything. They're mm-hmm. digesting that happiness, that that tribal culture that he he mentions. And it's not just the customer and it's not just the employees. I mean, they wove it into the fabric of their entire environment. So it was and I think that that's what the customers feel as a frequent customer of Zappos for a very long time. <laughs> um you could always tell. I mean, it took away the fear to your point. And then every time you talk to a human, one, you're talking to a human. And two, it's a great experience. I mean, they're nice people to talk to. It always, my conversations at least, devolve into something aside from whatever I called about my shoes. (laughs) Sure. So you wind up having a a human connection with the the person on the other end. It's Mm -hmm. not just someone in front of a keyboard taking your order and hanging up the phone. Right. There's a person there. It's got a personality and a life. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's all, that's all huge and hugely important. I think um, as we think of, as we think about how we, we go through life. Um, I think that's part of, again, talking for about what makes for a 21st century leader. Um at this point, after having talked about it for so much, I feel strongly that it is a um, it is a more human leader. It's a it's a leader who who doesn't concentrate on our differences, but maybe a little bit more so on our similarities. 
who doesn't forget the human element um, and that we're all people. Um, we're not, we're not the computers. We're not the mm-hmm. robots, right? There are the, those, those, those pieces of equipment have their place. Don't get me wrong, but we have to remember the human element when we lead. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you can embrace that as a leader, the, the differences that we all have and our uniqueness, you'll get a more dynamic and business environment too. I mean, in that, like Tony Shea says, will translate into your customer experience and ultimately a better business outcome. Sure. No, absolutely. It's interesting. I never gave much thought in your profession to the environment, <clears throat> excuse me, the environmental elements of business location. I understood it if you worked in a place where your customer, your client came to see you. Um, I, could, I could get that. And I understood the, the environmental aesthetics or requirements of your home life. But to some extent, I think I always felt like a, a working office, a back office is an office is an office. It doesn't make that much of a difference. And I think that comes from a lot of years of travel where I saw airports, um, chain hotels, and, um, and insides of businesses that were not there to impress, that were there just for, for functional purposes. And so it was very functional life, right? Um, and I started making a change on that a few, a few years ago when I started staying in more boutique hotels. And people say, well, you know, are you, you know, staying in Marriott's or are you staying in, in uh, Hilton's? And I'd say, and at the time, Kimpton was independent of, now they're owned by someone. I said, oh, no, I like to stay in Kimpton's. And they're like, what's a Kimpton? I'm like, well, the thing I like about them is they're all different. I can't say they're all like one thing. Um, I liked that. I liked having a little bit different experience. I also started staying, either arriving in the city of choice or departing from the city of choice later so that I could see at least one thing while I was there. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, all I saw were um, were offices and hotel rooms and airports. And I realized it when, this is years ago, when I was traveling to France a lot, and I had been to France something like nine times. People were like, oh, I'm so jealous of you, so on and so forth. And I said, why? And they're like, well, you know, Paris. And I said, I've never been to Paris. Been to the airport. Never been to Paris. And so I immediately made a change. And that's when I started doing that. I said, I'm, the next time I went to France, I made sure to go and see something in Paris. Um, or and even when I was down in, in, in Marseille, I went and, and saw things other than, like I said, hotels and offices and, and uh, airports. Um, you know, that functional existence. But now talking, spending time with you, and I know that was a rant. Um, Sorry, but um, <laughs> you're you're in you know you're in this professional you're, you're in this commercial real estate space. You deal with the dynamic of the um, of the cultural aspect of that. I mean, Tony picking up and moving to Las Vegas, maybe for multiple reasons, but he was changing the company dynamic. He wasn't putting the company as an as a tech company in Silicon Valley. Right, he was putting it in some place completely different, where he knew that the leading industry was the hospitality industry. Right, 
but he was trying right. to provide hospitality to an online customer. Mm-hmm. So he went to where the where the culture was already theoretically ingrained, I think. Yeah. That's what he was getting at, right? Yeah. Um, I think that was a big part of it. And especially Las Vegas, there's the hospitality and this sort of this 24-7 workforce, this 24-hour workforce, because they're used to it from the casinos and the late night stuff. And so Zappos was able to provide that high quality customer contact 24-7 and, <laughs> rather and I, than having to. Right. And so, I bet you people thought he was crazy. And I know people thought he was crazy sure. from, or what do you mean you're going to put this, this, this tech company in, in, in Las Vegas, in downtown Las Vegas, which was, mm-hmm. you know, again, still, still has blocks that are sketchy, but, you know, maybe turned a corner at least from where, from, from the downward tra- trajectory it was on. Yeah. Well, and companies have an amazing ability to help revitalize parts of a city or an area. That's why it's so important to developers and to like city councils to secure these large uh, corporate users of real estate that have a great dynamic like Zappos because it can change the whole dynamic of an area. It can really make it a not only fun for the employees to be there and watch this city grow, but obviously it's great for the city from a revenue perspective and right. attracting other talent. Mm-hmm. So um, how do you see that, that, that those concepts about even what an office space looks like? Do you see a growing trend towards companies caring about these things? Um, both for their internal culture as well as how they attract the right kind of talent? Or do you think that, that I'm overblown on this thing and, and they actually just still think that an office is an office is an office. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think that there's definitely a handful out there that still think an office is an office. But a lot of companies, especially ones that are uh, customer-focused or in, uh, employee-focused or are trying to make that change, are very cognizant of how their work environment, both inside the office and in the surrounding neighborhood, impacts their overall culture. And it's, it is a, a trend in that direction. Uh, and especially now with in this COVID pandemic environment, we've learned how flexible we can all be at, with work, where we're working. And that was already trending in the workspace and in the actual physical office. And now I think it will just be much more so. Different places to work, different types of work to do, virtual versus in-person. So how do you balance the, let's say post-COVID, but trending towards work from home or maybe some more of towards that? How do you balance... um, I know I've spoken to some business leaders who said, well, when it first started, it was working. People were still going about their work day from home. But as time progressed, they became a little more accustomed to, oh, I'm just going to run out to the supermarket or, oh, I'm just going to go out and do this in the middle of their work day. And if they were sort of an hourly employee, um, let's say that that Zappos-like customer care representative how do you keep them at their desk or is that part of it? Like how, like, you know, that 
I think that there's a tension there between the, the control aspects of having somebody sitting in a common workspace as opposed to, I'm sure they're still doing their job from home. Mm-hmm. No? <laughs> I mean, I, my personal feeling is you've got to trust your employees. I mean, if I knew the real answer to that question, I'd have a, a line out the door. It's like the meaning of life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, how, but okay, you trust your employees, fine. But then is it upon those so those people who say those are those are ingrained fears or ingrained concerns, is that simply because they're behind the time? Um, do we give some credibility to their concern? Like how how do we balance the two a little bit? Mm-hmm. And what yeah, and what do you I, see? I mean, I think that's a it's a tough question. There's so many different variables that come into play. What what's your business like? What what who are your employees? Um, what's your company culture? And you know, I, so there's a situation that's right for everybody. I don't, I think that there's validity in any fear or emotion that you're feeling about a, a situation. Um, and it's also, you know, how many people are abusing the system or actually abusing it versus a perceived abuse. And is it one bad egg is spoiling the bunch? A lot of times, but you know, that's not always the case so if we're you know i think taking a a good look at what your company culture is what change you want to drive who who are your leaders who are who are your employees and figuring out a system that works for you and for the the company that that addresses the fears but also still perhaps provides some of the flexibility that you want to instill in the company i mean my company we're all back in the office and that's fine with me by me. It works. Right. That's what <laughs> so, works. Yeah, but that's, you know, not the case with everyone. I, I've, um, so a lot of like, I do a, a lot of work with Gensler, this big architecture firm, and they've been doing a lot of studies with companies about how to incorporate more work virtual systems and create an environment that provides a level of uh, control, you know, some visibility into people who are in the office, but also the flexibility to, to work from home or to work virtual from other places. And, um, a lot of our clients are a lot more open to it. I mean, they've seen that zoom works and then they're like, you know, let's say in February, everyone's in the office all the time, no work from home, boom, March 17th rolls around and everyone's working virtual. And he's like, wait a minute, this works. Okay, no more real estate. Everyone's, everyone's <laughs> working virtually. <laughs> and so there's, and really the, 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 the proper balance is somewhere in between. It is, I mean, I think. Right, no, so. fair, fair, fair enough. So, so we're down to our last minute of, uh, of um, the beginning of the, of, uh, the podcasting year, if you will. So, um, Elizabeth, what I'm not going to ask you uh, for uh, any kind of uh, 2021 predictions or, or things that you intend to do, uh, resolutions, but instead, what's the first thing you're going to do after this podcast in 2021? I'm going skiing. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> I like it. 
I'm going to drink my yeah. coffee and, uh, mm-hmm. and ease into the day. But uh, starting it with you has been fantastic. So uh, it has been. Thank you so much. And um, thanks, Mark. Yep. And we'll happy uh, 2021. Happy New Year. <laughs> Same <laughs> to you. I very much appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All righty. Bye, Mark. Bye.